Hi and welcome to Mark's Motivational Podcast for another Authors Tuesday. Today I was delighted to be joined by another great author, Mary Kennelly. She's uh, written a fantastic book. It's called Into the Grey, as well as a number of different books as well. It was great talking to Mary today all about her writing and I'm going to share a link to her website where you can buy her book. Um, she's She's donating the proceeds to the nursing home um, that looked after um, her uncles. Um, so uh, that, so well done to you, Mary. It's great talking to you. And um, I wish you all the success going forward with your writing. And once again, thanks everybody for tuning into the podcast today. And um, make sure to check out my YouTube channel and like and subscribe will be amazing. And if you give me a review on um, a rating, on iTunes, that would be brilliant as well. So, till next time, uh, take good care and thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome to Mark's Motivational Podcast for another Authors Tuesday. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by another great author, uh, Mary Keneally. Um, so, um, it's it's great to be joined by you today, Mary. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks very much for having me. It's lovely to be here. Great stuff, and uh, you're you're joining us from sunny Italy at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, nice it's to be away. It's it's kind of a sign that um things are returning to normal exactly. again. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. No, it's great to have you on, and we might start the podcast off. You wouldn't mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and the great book you've written, uh, Into the Grey. Uh, it's around a poetry book. Um, it'd be great if you could just talk around that for for a moment. Yeah, no problem. I suppose um, Into the Grey is, uh, it was kind of a book I hadn't really intended to write. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have, uh, I had two uncles who I was involved in, in caring for them towards the end of their life. Now there were other, lots okay. of others in the family who were involved mm -hmm. as well. Um, but they both had dementia. And I suppose as I was living with dementia and it's it's a hard hard thing to live with in actual fact um and it really takes its toll and it's kind of silent you know you don't um i think everybody that's living with somebody who has dementia you're very protective of them and you don't want to share too much mm. and i i even felt that um when it came to it when i started writing the book and i didn't intend to write the book actually um while the two boys, my uncles were uh, Father John Kennelly and Brenda Kennelly, um, and while they were sick and I went out to the nursing homes, I didn't write a word for years. And I actually thought that whatever kind of part of me that used to write had probably dried up. And I think it goes just goes to show grief, what grief is and how, how powerful mm -hmm. it is. And um, yeah. so it, it was hard, you know, but it was... I, I think after, actually after Brendan died, it was just like a river. It just, the floodgates opened and suddenly everything came out. Um, so I, and even when I was writing it, I thought, oh my God, nobody is going to want to read this book. Nobody is going to want to read this book because it's miserable. Um, but I suppose it's just, it, it's the book that I had to write because that's what came mm -hmm. out when I sat down to write. And then, um, you know, I, I suppose I have been touched by people who said you understood or you got what it was 
to mm-hmm. be to what it felt like to live with somebody who was and the way I describe it is just they're in, in living decline they're alive but they're declining and disintegrating and and mm. the person you knew was sort of gone um but I mean and it, <laughs> it sounds terrible and you can see why I thought nobody would ever want to read this book but actually I think when I sat down to write it it surprised me I think what I felt about it was that um you know I I there were things I'd forgotten uh there were things um that I I I I just remembered then you know parts of them that I remembered and um little funny things that happened mm-hmm. little um, yeah. you know just memories because it's very attritional it goes on a long time and it's hard yeah mm-hmm. you know Oh yeah, and and as well, like I have to um as well mention for for people are listening as well that you're you're you you've donated the proceeds to to charity as well, which is which is great. Yeah, um, it, and thanks for mentioning that. Uh, now it, it isn't so much great to me. I always felt this book wasn't really my book. That this mm-hmm. um book was this book is the boys' book, as I would have called my two uncles the boys, because they became yeah. almost like my children in my life you know mm-hmm. yeah um, I know what you're saying yeah and I just feel if they could have said they, like they got I'm so profoundly grateful and you know we mentioned COVID earlier on and when you know the, the, the two boys had been in two separate nursing homes for um I suppose they were both in nursing homes for somewhere between five and six years and when COVID came like the shutters came down and we all understood why but knowing mm-hmm that they were going to be treated well and like we had complete trust that they would be minded and protected and because you know I mean there was six or nine months when we just never saw them except through a window they had dementia you couldn't phone them as such do you know um and I I was so grateful to the two nursing homes for what they did I really was so it was very easy to donate the money but I will say if you don't mind um Aura Spira which is the nursing home Brendan was in has got a website and it's um Aura Spira nursing home if you google that and you can buy the book if anybody wants to buy the book it's one right. of the lowest funded nursing homes in Ireland in actual fact I didn't even know nursing homes got different amounts but they do um yeah. and it's a they're an, an amazing nursing home I remember like even going in in, you know, from Brendan and then the first, they had a greyhound, they had a little greyhound, okay. a therapy dog that would come around and, and, and you <laughs> yeah. know, just mind the residents and things mm. like that and calm mm. them down. And uh, it's it's an amazing place. So if anybody feels like buying it or a spare nursing home. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And how long, how long did it take you to write the book yourself? Did it take you long? Uh, now, bizarrely, the answer is no. <laughs> and the reason right. that that's bizarrely is I uh, was not the most prolific of writers. I mean, my first book came out, it's probably nearly 20 years ago now. Yeah, definitely 20 years or more. Um, and I'd say it was about seven years before the next one came out. And then it was however many years before the next one came out. So I was used to kind of writing books. I mean, I suppose it was working. I had a, a, a different job and I was a full-time writer at the time. And um, mm. so I was, I, 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 I was used to taking a very long time to write. Um, mm-hmm. But I would come down every morning and I was writing every day once it started. 
and the mm. book took about three months um, okay, well, to write. And then I have a, a great editor who it mm. pointed out to me. And I'm very lazy. I like writing. I don't like editing. I don't like fixing. Um, and he oh, just, in the club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he just explains to me why I'm being lazy. <laughs> and then, you yeah. know, he just forces me to be better, if you like. Um, so we worked on that for another couple of months. And um, so, look, I it's not my first book and I'm very lucky, you know, um, mm. I, I know the people I'm working with now and things like that. Yeah, so it was yeah. possible to get the book done. And then it was launched in Writers Week by um, the Minister for Education, Norma Foley. And uh, I knew Norma because actually I had been her principal just before she went out uh, to be okay. elected. And um, but so it was lovely. It was really nice to have Norma there. Mm. And I said uh, I had retired because really after being her boss, she was now my boss and it was time for me to go. So. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah very good and yeah. I, I love the i love the message you have in your book as well you know because like a lot of families everywhere um experience mm -hmm. dementia like even my my granny had it like um she went seen all so yeah. i know exactly where where you're where, where you're coming from and as mm -hmm. well as that like to look at the the funny times as well is kind of very important and the happy mm -hmm. times it's had together as well can really resonate yeah. with a lot of people so that's really great yeah, I, I like the book is divided into different sections. So there's two tiny sections with one poem each in it. Um, but then the two main sections, one is called John and one is called Brendan. Mm -hmm. Because actually yeah. the funny thing is, even though there were similarities, obviously, there were two different people. And so mm -hmm. dementia, they had two different kinds of dementia in actual fact. And before Father John got dementia, I didn't know that there were all these different kinds of mm. dementia, you know. Yeah. Um, and so you you go through this journey and you learn, you learn to be a sort of an expert on your yeah. person and your person's mm. version of dementia and yeah. the relationship they have with dementia. And then you're silent about it because you're trying to protect the person that you love and you don't mm -hmm. want to expose them. And um, like, I think the, be the beginning of dementia in a lot of ways is really heartbreaking because, mm -hmm. you know, the person themselves just begins to notice something is going wrong and, um, yeah. and, and they're aware they're aware mm. of, of what's happening for a long time you know and that's very hard and um they're embarrassed and they're trying to hide and i think families kind of try to hide it as well mm -hmm. and then um you know you just you just go as i said on this this path that's difficult and heartbreaking and exhausting um yeah. And, the, you know, you I mean, I suppose for me, it was I knew that John and Brendan, I knew who they had been and the, the giants of men they had been when they were younger, you know, and I knew they would want to thank the people around them. And should they, you yeah. know, like in, in the journey, both of them um, and, and I would say that both of them died from dementia. They weren't, mm. and the way I would put it is, they weren't lucky enough to die from anything else. They died from dementia, which is a very slow death. And, and you know, they were like little babies in the end, mm -hmm. you know, they, they had just completely regressed to very silent, lost little babies. Yeah. That was another thing that happened for families with COVID. 
you couldn't just like language had kind of gone for them to a great extent song was very useful we'd go and we'd sing songs for them and they would remember you know but yeah i think touch the fact that you couldn't reach out and hold somebody's hand anymore because of covid it was it was really difficult at times it was hard yeah Mm, very tough yeah Oh no, like I know just I know exactly what what you're saying there. Um, well done to you for getting the book out there, and I hope it, like um well like I hope it's going to do really really well. I hope you get a lot of sales, and I'm going to share um the link as well on the show notes to the nursing home that you can buy. They can buy the the book. Yeah, yeah, because they they're they're saints, and I remember um I don't know if it got sorted out but I remember there was some kerfuffle over whether the people in the nursing home would get this 1000 euro bonus payment I think at one stage they weren't going to get it I don't know if they will or not but I mean they really deserved it as do the doctors and the nurses you know um I think in Ireland often we say um oh they shouldn't get it if I'm not getting it I just think everyone who did that work definitely get it you know yeah yeah no absolutely and we might just talk about your story as well. Um, where did it all begin for you? Which you're writing, it's it's a lot of poetry you do. It's it's um all po- a lot of poetry, yeah. Mary. Yeah, it is, and I'll tell you. Um, I mean, like when you have Brendan Kennelly as your uncle, uh, and my dad is Paddy Kennelly, who's also a writer and a poet. Um, I I can tell you, that, like the last thing I wanted to do was write poetry. Uh, you know why would you even bother going after people like that you know um but the funny thing is when I sat down to write that's what kind of came out I was working and I had a small family and poetry is a very form of writing and if you only have 15 minutes you can you can write and you can come back and you can polish it and you can keep it in your head and, and think about things um so yeah I I, I don't know is the answer. I don't know why poetry, but, uh, and it's like I call it the minority sport of writing. So, and, uh, you know, it doesn't have big markets or anything. Um, yeah. But but that's what came out. And that's I suppose true. in the beginning, I really felt it. Um, you know, I I would be honest and say, like, I was so lucky. I, I'm from Bally Longford, County Kerry originally, and I uh, was living in Listowel when the first book came out. Um, and then later in Glynn, where I live now. Um, and I, I was blessed. I had great friends. Brendan was very kind to me. My dad was very kind to me. Um, you know, they would have read the the poems as I was writing them and offered suggestions. John Bikeen was a great friend of mine, very kind to me. Gabriel Fitzmaurice, the poet, was down there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be crying boo-hoo. I mean, I, I came into a, a fantastic writing community, that North Kerry writing community is mm-hmm. amazing, really. Um, and they were you know, I, I'd be honest to say there were huge advantages. I already knew so many people. But yeah. uh, the flip side of it was I've been coming in and, and uh, you know, writing poetry with a second name like Kennelly. <laughs> uh, you know, I, yeah. I you know, there were comparisons made at times. <laughs> can I just be me today, you know? Or sometimes yeah. um, if, I, if I went to a poetry reading where they were doing something of Brendan's, 
And I'd hear a poem that I, I hadn't remembered. I think, oh, Jesus, he's written one. He, he wrote this before I wrote it. <laughs> you know, because he was so yeah. prolific. He wrote about everything anyway. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Great, great stuff. And what's your other uh, books called, Mary? What's the other um, um, the books called? The first book, and they're unusual. The first book that I did is called Sunny Spells, Scattered Showers. And it was okay. with the artist Rebecca Carl. And I've done that an awful lot. And actually, my next project is going to be with an artist. So the first project was, I, I suppose that Rebecca, as an artist, had never put anything together. Um, and I haven't put stuff together as well. So it was really everything. It was everything up to that point in my life. Um, there's a lot of motherhood in there and, and there's a lot of, um, I suppose, life as a, I was in my thirties when the first book came out, you know. And then the second book uh, was with uh, the artist, Brenda Fitzmaurice. And that was called From the Stones. And I think, in that one, that's a that's an expression we use at home. I'm, I'm sure people are familiar with it. You know, um, mm. if you do something that reminds people of your relations, they'll say, "Oh, well, she didn't lick that from the stones." Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah, yeah. And actually, the book was about the influence of my home and the people and the language and the sound of the language. Um, mm. I remember when I was a very young teacher. I went. To, I was teaching first in Mayo, and I'd say things. And they'd say, what are you saying, miss? You know, they were just turns of phrase that I had used, obviously, in Kerry. They did not yeah. translate. And that's when I learned that language is, is local, in actual fact, you know. Um, and it has, all, Ireland's amazing. Like, this small little country has all these different dialects and different mm -hmm. expressions. And um, so From the Stones is kind of what, uh, it was really Brenda and I painting Kerry, if you if you like, and Very writing cool. yeah. Kerry, um, and then after that, the next book was uh, I know uh, you know, catching bats takes patience, and right. uh, which was a solo collection with liberties, and Brenda and I had been working. We were down in um, Skelligs, and it was a fantastic documentary on about some. Uh, it was a, a tribe in Africa who had. Uh, the crops had failed and they all had to work together um, to come up with another food source and they were trying to catch bats and there was a great line in it that said catching bats takes patience and I said right if I do actually write another that's it that's what I'm gonna because it was about that sort of um, I think uh, when I wrote Catching Bats, my father-in-law had died of motor neuron disease and the kids were getting bigger and, you know, life was getting busier. I was at the time on the road. I was working with uh, Special Education Support Service. And I was traveling around the country and my kids were at home and had a great husband um, but uh, who was minding the kids. But like, so it was about that kind of squeeze that you get in life, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of what the book's about. And and the catching beds just refer to the fact that we don't get through life without people around us, you know, that we are actually reliant on the, mm -hmm. the support structures we put in place for ourselves. Um, and after that, uh, the fourth book was um, Splinters. And uh, I, I Splinters is a very misunderstood book, I think, because 
when I was in university many years ago, I studied, I actually went to Maynooth and I studied theology and history and scripture was always my favorite, but not for any religious reasons. It's just such an amazing work of literature and the sounds and the, the different yeah. parts to it. And the idea that you have a volume as old as it is and as varied as it is. And so in Splinters, I uh, decided to try and see if I could retell the gospel story. And because I'd been interested in scripture over the years, I had gone and read both the canonical, you know, what appears in the gospel, but uh, in the in the Bible, but also all of uh, these little fragments of gospels that have turned up over the years that are and that are um, really quite challenging and different. And then... I suppose I, I had known a lot about how the Gospels came to be written down and how they were maybe changed and you could argue mm. subverted or, you know, the story was added to or edited. And so I wanted to see if I could tell the story in a very immediate kind of an alternative way. And so I told the Gospel story more or less from the part of view of the bit players, you know. Um, so it's told from at the point of view of Peter's mother-in-law tells her story or the woman okay. who touched her story or like Pilate tells his story and the centurion mm -hmm. tells his story. And um, Now, it wasn't intended ever to be a religious book. It was, it was um, I suppose I had done theology. I had, it, it would be no different from somebody loving the Lord of the Rings or something like that. You yeah, know? okay, yeah, yeah. It was an experiment <laughs> and about two thirds, which is about two years in, and I thought, God, this would be fantastic with artwork. And I went back to Brenda mm. and I said, is there any chance you would you would do a, a painting, you know, sparked off by these poems. And she did a, a painting for each poem. And that, that right. took three years. And it was an amazing thing for her to do, very generous to actually, it was mm. three years of her working life. Yeah. Um, so the book took Splinters took about five years to put together. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then my fifth collection is Into the Grave. Great stuff. Yeah, so they sound great. And if you wouldn't mind sharing the links, um, with me, Mary, and I can put them on the, Absolutely. On the notes Absolutely. For, for you as well. I'll tell you the easiest way to get it is just marykennelly.com. Uh, I think yeah, it's dot or I'll, I'll send, and, and that's it because actually all of the books are on the website and the links are yeah. there. And, and yeah, like that. yeah the, the website's the easiest. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and because you're from Kerry as well, have you, like, <laughs> um, did you ever, um, make a Galga version of an Irish version of, of the books did you ever uh, I didn't I mean that? I love Irish we spoke Irish when I was young but I have lost an awful lot of my Irish really being honest with you and it's something yeah. that I yeah like all of us yeah. and you know um I think a lot of us are embarrassed to speak Irish because it's a little bit broken now or we might have the right word here or the right word there and uh Again, of course, all Kerry people quote Kerry people, but uh, you know, Mihal and my heart was amazing because Mihal would say, you know, just put in the word whenever, and if it's right, it's right, and you know, mm. and I, I think we need more of that. I think, um, mm. you know, that if people felt comfortable making mistakes, they'd be happy yeah. 
speak it. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. um, sometimes I think people feel there's a sort of a shame culture with not uh, with not mm-hmm. having it. But once we're happy to make mistakes, we'll be happy to speak it. So maybe I can't. I'm actually dyslexic. So um, if you ask my editor, he'd explain to you that I'm bad enough in English, much less Irish. <laughs> I'm your brother. I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling, but um, yeah. no. I was writing something recently, and I just I, my, I couldn't get my head around how in the name of God I would put punctuation on it. I just threw my hands up and I said, "I'm just leaving it like that. The editor can fix it after." It's yeah. just yeah. But that's a great advice for anybody that that is writing and they are dyslexic. You know, not don't be afraid to just put it down, and, and the yeah. punctuation and all that kind of stuff can be can yeah. be fixed afterwards. Oh, I was, and again, this this goes by like I was very lucky. Um, uh, you know, I, I my dad was very good to me, and uh, mm-hmm. and then I, I I was just very lucky. I met an editor, and um, it just clicked. It worked, you know. Um, yeah. And I had never really understood how an editor would work, but I mean, right from when I started working with my editor is actually. Um, is Spanish, even though he's a very English sounding name, he's Dennis Smydia, and he's uh, living in Brussels. But we we work electronically, and uh, right from the start, he was very challenging, and he would he just you know why have you got that there? Why didn't you put it over there? And I could see straight away, oh yeah, that would be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's something actually for. You know, if you were to say to me, what two things would I ever say to somebody who wants to write? The first is, if you want to write, actually write. Um, you know, sit down and do it and develop, if you can, a practice. Um, I, I wrote very few books over 20 years. I was working at the same time. Um, but mm-hmm. my practice was to get up really early in the morning, really early in the morning. And sometimes that would have to be five o'clock or that would have to be half four or whatever it was. Uh, and you have to develop a practice because it, it, it's like any practice. It's, if you don't sing ever, then no matter how good a singer you are, you're going to be rusty, you know. Um, and the second is, I think, just don't actually worry at all about if it'll be published, if, it, if it's publishable, if it's, you know, mm. um, if it is. People are good, you know, pe- people are good and, and surround yourself with other writers if, if you know if you can if you don't um try online there are different um, forums online and things like that mm. and and just let publishing be the furthest thing from your mind when you're writing i know a time comes and you have to, to to think about the publishing but not when you're writing yeah that's great advice yeah because i was actually going to ask you about your strategy in writing so you really you really t- uh, explained that very well there <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and now, funny enough, as I say, I'm retired and I, I write. Um, well, writing is my job now. And uh, mm-hmm. like and it's uh, in ways it's harder because when I had a real structure and a time and, and a one hour in the day or half an hour when I could write, you really valued it. And if there's 24 hours in the day, you know, I mean, I can be quite, uh, you know, I go out and do a little bit of weeding or feed the tomatoes or something like that sometimes mm-hmm. when I should be writing. But, uh, you know, you, you still have to have a structure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Agree I with you. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. No, that's great. And would you would you mind do you have one of your poems to hand that you could um could, nope. could read us, please, Mary? We would be really great for the listeners. Yeah. Well, if I'm if I'm going to read from into the great, I'll have to read two because I can't read about oh, one. Oh yeah, brilliant. The no, other. That's great. No, that's great. Thanks so, very much. Uh, yeah, well, I said uh, definitely, definitely have to read two because you can't, uh, I couldn't pick one uncle over the other, you see, you have to be very careful. <laughs> so I'll, I'll read this one. Um, I remember when Father John, uh, when I realised um, that he couldn't live alone anymore um, and that he would have to go to the nursing home. And then in the end, it was, it was sort of his choice. It, it became obvious that he wasn't going to be able to live alone anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he went into the nursing home first, I, uh, we, we were extremely close. You know, he, he was like um, a, another parent to me, really. Um, and I would go in and I was so sad. I would come out and I would cry actually in the car. It was so sad because what you realize is that's it. I, the way I used to think of it was it was the waiting room for the hearse. It was where he was going to be before he died. And it was so concrete. And um, this little poem that I wrote about kind of around that time and the way we just did our best he was scared when he went in first I was upset when he went in first um the the staff were wonderful but it was such a a big thing and so um this is called cocoon we we would try to make our own cocoon uh, for ourselves you know so cocoon being frail flawed gods we created frail flawed worlds small and getting smaller steadily, built on fractured snatches of beauty, peopled by old songs and stories and tender touches and shards of memories. It's a prison, perhaps, but there's comfort too. This cocoon we've built is ours alone. It has its worth and wealth and warmth so long as we steadfastly refuse reality. It's a burden we cannot bear because we know we won't be leaving here together. You will be forced one way and I another. So um, that's one of those more serious poems, I suppose. Uh, and I, there, there, there are a lot of serious poems in Brendan's section as well, but Brendan was a scamp. He was an absolute rogue, I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> and uh, I'll read this one just to show that there are. Um, yeah. There's so much heart in it, Mary. There's so much yeah. heart in it. So yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I, I loved both of them. And I I did, um, I, I, I wasn't a saint, and none of us were, and there were a lot in the family, as I say, helping, but, um, I loved both of them and it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking, you know. Anyway, this is a poem about Brendan, just to show that there are lighter moments in it as well. Yeah. Um, Brendan had this thing where he absolutely knew that he knew me. Every time I would come, I would get this beautiful smile. And we used to go driving. Brendan uh, just wanted to be out. He wanted to be driving. So even though he was in the nursing home, um, for, for a long time, he was out seven days a week 
we, we would actually take him driving. That's all he wanted to do was drive and keep driving. But mm. he didn't know how he knew me. So sometimes he, he thought maybe was I his sister or his, um, I don't niece. And if he did, he wouldn't know who, how I was his niece. Or um, maybe I was just this nice, strange lady who came and took him driving. But he, he knew he knew me, he just didn't know how. Um, and so he would get confused over my name. So one of the things I learned with people with dementia is um, instead of leaving tests for them, supply them with the information they need. So I'd always greet him by saying, hello, Brendan, um, it's Mary. I'm your niece. I'm here to take you for a drive. We love each right. other very much. And that's how yeah. I would start. And then he had all the information he needed to be comfortable on the drive. Oh, yeah, but yeah. he came up with his own name for me. In actual fact, because Brendan had frontal lobe dementia, which meant if he could, you know, and it was not his fault, if he could think it, he thought it was okay to say it or to do it. Mm -hmm. And it led to a lot of adventures, I can tell you. And so I, I would spend my time, Brendan would go off and do something completely outrageous or say something completely outrageous. And I would say, stop it, stop it. So this poem is called Stop It. And there's one rude word in it. I hope you're okay with that. Oh, <laughs> on, on the day you told me to fuck off, I told you to stop me. And you laughed and did something outrageous just to hear me say, stop it again. Some days <laughs> you indulged me in thinking that I was perhaps getting through only to let loose with an almighty cracker and I throw a stop it at you. And to show me that I would not win as we played out our little game. You smiled when I came on that visit and stop it became my new name. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's great, Mary. <laughs> and he did. He actually called me stop it, I'd say, for about the last two years of his life. Yeah. yeah. But it's great to have them memories as well, Mary, isn't it? Like, you know, if, if you've got... Absolutely. Like, that you've written. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and uh, memories are all you have, really. Definitely. Yeah. To, you know, it's... Yeah. yeah. No, it's been great having you on the podcast, Mary, and I really have enjoyed... It's been great hearing your poems as well. I'm looking forward to um, getting a copy of the book myself. So, um, uh, so that, that's great. And just share your email so I can people that are listening on Spotify will be able to... Um, I can share yeah. for them as well, you know. Um, that'd be fantastic. Um, Rourke Marie, uh, which I know is desperate. Rourke, as in um, view, R-A-D for donkey, R-A-D-H-A-R-C-N-A-R-I at gmail.com. Brilliant. use, and yeah. anyone at all is welcome to get in touch. And it's... Kennelly is uh, www.marykennelly.com. I'm pretty sure it's .com, but it might be .ie. It's one yeah. or the other, in a way. Yeah, if one doesn't work, their own will. <laughs> the other one will, yeah. yeah. If you Google me, yeah. I'll come up. <laughs> so. Yeah. And what's next for yourself, Mary? What's What What, what, what do you have next? Um, <laughs> well, I'm working on a... Uh, I'm working on a 
collection. I'm working on two collections, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely working on a project and I, it's back to working with artists again. And I'm, I'm working right. with three artists this time, Rebecca Carl, right. Susan Hitching and Julie Kelligan-Fanukin. Um, very different artists, but we're working on women of a certain age. Us women who hit our 50s and 60s. And I suppose, you know, we, we don't have... Um, it's possibly true for men as well. Um, do you know, I was just kind of surprised when I hit this age that I wasn't just, uh, that I still felt like me, that I, I don't feel old. I don't feel ready for the coffin just yet. I don't feel those things. And so it's it's kind of trying to work out, um, you know, who are we as women? Who do women become if they're not? And, and I'm using that lovely Celtic, a triptych of women the right. maid the mother yeah. and they use the term the crone uh which is kind of like a dried up shriveled up you know and sure maybe we are dried up shriveled up old women but i'm not a maid anymore and i'm not a mother anymore my kids are all grown and so how do we go usefully and gracefully and maybe beautifully i think um it, it's uh you know we have these great conversations and what i realize is we spend so much of our lives not accepting ourselves, just our mm -hmm. thinking we have to be better or thinking we have to be different or taller or skinnier or fatter or shorter, whatever it is, um, that we waste so much energy just not mm -hmm. being happy and, and looking to be happy. So that, that collection, we're, we're hoping to get that out next year. And then at the same time, I'm working on um, a collection of my own. Um, I think it's going to be called um, Age and Other Associated Torments at the moment. <laughs> and what it feels like to get older. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that does sound brilliant. And I wish you all the success going forward with, with all you do, Mary. It's been great talking to you on the podcast. Mark, thanks so much for having me. It's been lovely to be here. Brilliant. Yeah, so that was great. Uh, thanks a lot, Mary. And thanks for listening to uh, this great podcast, Mary Kennelly, everybody. And um, stay tuned for our next one. Thanks again, Mary. Thanks for coming on. Mark. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, once again, a big thank you for, to Mary Kennelly for coming on the podcast uh, today and our Authors Tuesday. And a big thank you for everybody to tune in as well. So join me again for the next podcast. Um, till then, take good care of yourselves. Good to meet you and fall.